The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. You can help support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tier. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 or above level for the month of March. iRebel, Jem McKay, and Dan Wagner. The GameCube, GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, do you have any April Fool's traditions in your house? Uh... Is that something that people have? Do they do that? I don't know. I'm I'm always confused about what holidays to celebrate and which ones not to. Like, there there's the big ones that you obviously have to do, like Christmas and Thanksgiving. But then it's like when you start getting into St. Patrick's Day and Family Day and April Fools, you gotta wonder like, am I supposed to do anything today? Kind of weird when people do do things for April Fools. Um, personally, yeah. I don't think I've ever done anything for April Fools. Has anybody ever done anything to you on April Fools though? Uh well, someone um this this podcast I listened to, they did a um a funny thing where they kind of they they review certain consoles, I think. Um okay. and they did a funny thing where they kind of switched up what console they were talking about uh, uh, that that mm. week, you know, after I think they'd been done doing 40 or so episodes, so Probably took the fans by surprise, but... Probably. A good switcheroo, as you yeah, like to say. Yeah, I, I was mildly amused. Hmm. Kind of like how Star Wars was like this sci-fi fantasy movie series, and then they made Episode Eight, which was a complete train wreck. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not sure if it's like that, <laughs> but sure, let's go with that. <laughs> That's a little bit of a good comparison. I've never, uh, for one, actually pulled an April Fool's joke. To, to I don't think that it's very funny. Uh, when I was a kid once, we had a hamster, and we woke up, and it looked like that our hamster had escaped. Oh. Like, the cage was open... There was a little escape rope, like she had tied a whole bunch of quilts together to escape out of the window, like a little damsel in distress. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding about that part. But uh, my, it turns out my mom just took it out of the cage and hid it somewhere. And we were bawling oh, when we no. found out. Like it was somewhat traumatized. Because you remember when we were kids, we had hamsters. I do. I do. Yeah, of course. I, I, I never heard that story before, though. Oh, yeah. No, they did escape some of them. Sure. Like We thought like, mom, dad, give them back. Because at that point, we thought they had stolen them. And they were oh, like, we no. didn't do it this time. So this time around, we woke up and like the cage was open, open, like to the point which like a hamster can't do. And uh, my mom was just like, April Fool's. And we were just like, where is she? <laughs> Which is really funny. Oh, no. oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's S- since then, though, I-, I can't think of any April Fool's jokes that I have played or have been played on me. No, you definitely didn't do anything last week, right? No, no, I, I can't. I can't honestly remember what I did this morning. Mm, very so. good. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of this morning, Mike, is it weird that I walk around the house while I'm brushing my teeth? Is it weird that you walk... Hmm. How far are we? How far are we going here? Are we are we well, doing a big so, lap, or are we just doing a little look out from the bathroom? No, no, I'm leaving the bathroom completely. Mm. I don't leave my bathrooms in the upstairs of my house, like most houses. I don't go down to the main floor, but I walk around back to my bedroom. I might clean up my my you know my pajamas a little bit. I might try and make my bed, which is really that's next level. If you can make your bed while brushing your teeth, I always the problem is that I I can I don't get too far away from the sink because if I get too far away and I need to spit, it's panic mode. You know, like if there's too much foam and I'm suffocating, then I don't know what to do. And I mean, there's only really one sink on our main floor, so there's nowhere else for me to go but back to the bathroom. And I feel like I'm in dead space suffocating with no oxygen. See, that that's what I was thinking, or that's what I wanted to, to know when I asked, you know, 
if how what's your radius of walking around because i would think it's super mm-hmm. weird if you just start going downstairs and and hanging out open the fridge <laughs> right no 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 i can't get down with that like answer the door if the doorbell rings the, the, the fact that you do <laughs> the fact that you do leave the the bathroom at all and go and do things in another room though is i got to say that's pretty ballsy i i definitely do not do mm. that um i think for me when i brush my teeth it's usually at a moment in time where i'm quite tired whether it's the morning mm-hmm. or the night, uh, that sure. I'm not really paying attention to anything, and I basically just have a blank mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I just can't get down with only brushing my teeth. It just feels like such a bad use of time. I know that I'm trying to avoid going to the dentist right now, <laughs> but for me, it's funny when I'm walking around with a toothbrush in my mouth, brushing my teeth, and someone tries to talk to me. Yeah, which yeah. is like I don't I don't know why you'd even think I'm I I want to talk to you well, right now. Like I just end up spitting. Well, some, well, <laughs> you're just spitting foam out at them like when they're trying to ask you what you're up to but yeah i don't know i just i was walking around the house the other night or around my bedroom basically the other day brushing my teeth and my parents were like what are you doing and i was like I, I gotta get things done i don't know what to tell yeah, you hey this is taking too much time yeah i feel you yeah that's yeah. i just i just you know i don't i don't have that uh uh I don't have the ability, I feel like, or the, the gag reflex to uh, uh yeah. <laughs> to to walk around too far without uh, going to back mm-hmm. to home base. Right. Yeah, you do have to res- resort back to home base. Otherwise, you have to find a toilet or a shower or something to spit or, in. Or which... you just spit on the ground and, and you just be – and then – but I feel like the once you, you mm. spit on the ground, that become you're now uh-huh. that guy. Yeah, and that's in your own house too, which is even worse than people spitting on sidewalks. <laughs> Jeez, I could not, I could not spit. I'd spit in a house plant before I spat on the ground. I think. Yeah, would that kill the house plant? Mm-hmm. Toothpaste. Good question. Good question. I mean, it's fluoride, so it can't be good. <laughs> it can't be good. But I mean, like a cactus, which I have in my house, those things can survive in eighty degree temperatures, three hundred and sixty days out of the year. But so... give them fluoride, and that's it. Oh, that's the end of that. Give them a give them a tube at Colgate, not sponsored, and uh, and they're done. I'm trying to get they're sponsored, down for the count. not sponsored though. Trying to get sponsored. <laughs> We're trying to get sponsored. They're evasively fresh. <laughs> Mike, I was checking out our stats the other day, and I just wanted to point out that we have now been downloaded across all fifty states. Wow, that's actually amazing. That's I'm that's not yeah. that's not a sarcastic or weird reaction. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. actually very. I did not know that. I'm very. Uh, I'm very impressed. Yeah, I was just kind of poking around at our statistics, just looking to see like even Alaska, eh? even Alaska. Yeah, I, I, actually, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> now that now that I think about it, I can't remember about Alaska. But no, I was just checking out just you know our stats to see like oh where are we downloaded, and then you know you can zoom in in each country because we were downloaded in several countries now. But I just wanted to see in Canada and the states how we're doing, and I just noticed all the states are have some color to them, which is good. Mm-hmm. They have uh they're, they're they have at least one in each state, which is nice. Doing very well in uh, California specifically, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to point out Canadians, we're missing a few provinces. Really, eh? Mm, yes, Canada hates us. So we're, we're missing in the Yukon, the Northwest Territories, and Nunavut, which I know are not provinces, they're territories. But I'd like to some, I'd like to see at least one download in each of those territories by the end of the year. I think that's a really fun that's goal. That's our new goal. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get a download in the territories of Canada. We could get that, for sure. There's got to be people up there. There are people up there, but do they have <laughs> GameCubes? That's the question. They definitely have internet. We're not going to pretend like that they don't have internet. The territories are kind of like for us how Americans think all of Canada is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, yeah, basically the territories are like they're Alaska, really, you know. So. Yeah, yes. Like, like we think of the territories and we think everyone up there are living in igloos, and meanwhile the states think people in Toronto are living in igloos. So it just never ends. And I, I, I can't let certain provinces go unnoticed saskatchewan has one new brunswick has four and newfoundland and labrador has one as well 
I need those three provinces to step their game up yeah, right they away. They need to step their game up for sure. Saskatchewan only Stat. with one is, is is a little sad. It's very sad. I was thinking about visiting, but now I'm yeah, not. Yeah, that's it. Uh, PEI with a with a high one though. I was going to say, just to put it into perspective, PEI has 14, which is more than those three provinces combined. And there's one person living on PEI. So, <laughs> P, to, to Fun fact, uh, the area I live in, Toronto, uh, has more people living in a, that small sector than uh, all of PI, PEI. So That's wild. I think you can see the other side of PEI when you stand on one end. A <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Jed, is from PEI. And, uh, and so I'd like to think that Jed's family uh, are the 14 mm. listeners to, for his, <laughs> all of his episodes that he's come on. Now that you point that out, that's probably it. <laughs> it's it's got to be it, yeah. But uh, it's gotta we, be. we love PEI, Jed, so. Uh... <laughs> mm. Oh, I'd love to go to PEI someday. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of fun. Mike, I think it's time for our new favorite segment. What do you say? I think it's time for the mailbag. Remember, you can send us your review on any podcast service that you listen to or the social media platform that you follow us on, just like iRebel did on Patreon iRebel says, Hey guys, discovered your podcast today when I was looking for podcasts to listen to while gaming and working. I just started recollecting GameCube games and was looking for a companion podcast. I'm a little older than the two of you, but I also have fond feelings of and for that little purple box. Keep up the good work and stay safe. Thanks. Wow, thank you so much, iRebel, for that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that lo- those lovely words. Mm-hmm. Those uh, lovely <laughs> words. Those, <laughs> those, those an- verbs and nouns. Those angelic adjectives. <laughs> No, honestly, we, we really appreciate uh, all the support that everyone has given us over the past 44 episodes or however many we're at. And every time we get a new message, uh, that uh, that's what makes it all worthwhile. So really, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, uh, thank you. It tickles me in my, uh, in my soul and uh, in other places, too. Ah, very good. <laughs> and we also have another uh, letter from another uh, Patreon supporter, which is very nice. This one comes from Jem. Jem says, Hi lads, big fan from the UK. Started listening to the podcast back in January and only just caught up to the latest episodes, so wanted to support you guys. I'm a history teacher in London, so have been using your nostalgia trips to get me through the commute these last few months. All the best. Wow, that's actually, wow. That's really cool. A history teacher. Um, yeah, no, just uh, the the fact that we're, again, I think someone wrote in a while ago about how we get them through their shifts in like um like a, in the meat like a freezer. warehouse night a night shift at a warehouse yeah yeah, yeah sorry I, I was i was mixing your experience <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my yeah. experience listening to podcasts uh, but the, yeah the fact that that um that he puts us on while while going to work is is again really special and mm-hmm. I, i'm terrible at taking compliments i'm just I, I, <laughs> terrible at it and I, I still also can't believe that both of these people that wrote in today also supported us on patreon this month which again yeah. is equally mind-blowing i hope that we don't lose this just feeling completely grateful for people who support us and let us you know give us their time and come on our show and uh and you know send us messages and and money now it's just wild oh just wild absolutely and the fact that they're from london Mm -hmm. go to london england uh that's the miles away and we still are able to make an impact so again thank you very much thank you let's continue on making an impact mike with episode 44 of the gamecube was cool podcast new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services we are the number one gamecube podcast on the internet and we're here to look back on all 555 north american gamecube games one by one sometimes 12 by 12 visit the gamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on the website was developed by our very own mike lane 
That's me. That's you. If you would like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon, the GameCube podcast. Every dollar helps us grow the show. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic for the show. Last week, we put out two episodes covering The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker to celebrate the 18th anniversary. If you haven't already, go back and check out part one and two. That was a ton of fun. We had a bunch of guests join us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This week, we're covering Ikaruga and Odama, which are two cult classics slash hidden gems on the GameCube. And if you want to get uh, granular, this is kind of like a secret Dreamcast episode, part two, if you will. Ooh, secret Dreamcast. Secrets. Uh, And also, this is Odama's 15th birthday, I believe, either Mm -hmm. uh, today or tomorrow, one of the days uh, this week. It would have been yesterday when this episode goes live. Odama came out on April 10th. This episode will be going up on the 11th. There we go. So uh, it was just Odama's birthday, 15 years. Pretty cool. Uh, Can't drive yet. Soon, though. (laughs) Soon. soon. Uh, And Ikaruga (laughs) is going to have its 18th anniversary on April 15th. So very soon from now, which is, again, crazy, crazy, crazy that that game Mm -hmm. is 18 years old. Well, 18 years old on the GameCube, even older in arcades. Yes, on arcades, the game was released on December 20th, 2001. It was later on released on GameCube on April 15th, 2003, so it took a few years to make it across the pond. It was developed by Treasure for the arcade, uh, and it was also developed by Treasure uh, for GameCube, but it was published by Atari uh, on the GameCube, so you'll see that little Atari sticker. Uh, It's in arcades, it's on the Dreamcast, it's on Xbox 360, Windows, Nintendo Switch, and PlayStation 4. The GameCube version prices around $90 today, and it rates around the 8s. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess let's mm-hmm. just go into a little bit of a history about this game, and because it, it does have a very, very interesting history. Uh, the game kind of mm-hmm. started way back in 1998 with a, like, this game called Radiant Silver Gun, which mm-hmm. was uh, kind of the, the, the spiritual precursor, I guess, to uh, Ikaruga. It was just a, a pretty regular shoot-em-up with a lot of... Um, I guess a lot of uh, really neat art style behind it. Uh, yeah. Very, very hard to find now and extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. It's it's a Saturn game, which yes. that console is getting very difficult to collect for. Uh, but yeah, it looks beautiful. It's, it's a again, a shoot-em-up bullet yeah. hell kind of game where you're piloting a spaceship on a vertical screen. And your goal is just to get basically to the end of the level, just like any other video mm-hmm. game. But it's incredibly difficult to do. A very addictive gameplay loop of just trying to avoid bullets and uh, shoot down enemy ships. Uh, a bit like Star Fox, but in a 2D plane and much harder. Yes, and clearly made for arcades, which is in 2001 mm-hmm. uh, when Treasure took over the development of this franchise. It was originally RS2 was the kind of uh, title, uh, mm-hmm. the um, I guess demo title um right it, they eventually code the code name thank you uh, yeah. they eventually ended up using some of the elements that they had used for another game i forget the game's name at this point but um treasure had a couple of games i guess going ongoing and so they used the elements like the colors uh, the black mm-hmm. and white when you're changing your your ship's color i guess uh mm-hmm. they used those elements for the uh, RS2, which was later Ikaruga, um, mm-hmm. they decided to rebrand it Ikaruga instead of calling it Radiant Silver Gun 2 because it was quite different than the original. Uh, mm-hmm. And they put that on Japanese arcades in 2001. Clearly did very well. So it came mm-hmm. to the Dreamcast in 2002. Um, yep. Strange time to bring something to the Dreamcast in 2002. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <And> bold move. <laughs> and I think they realized that because in mm-hmm. 2003, in April, they brought it to the GameCube. 
Right. Just like in our Dreamcast episode, we talked about a bunch of games that either came to the Dreamcast when it was dying and reported to the GameCube or games that were initially supposed to be on Dreamcast were just put on GameCube instead. This game could have been in that conversation, but we th- wanted to give it its own uh, its own episode mm-hmm. because we think it's a big enough game in the GameCube's history. It's definitely like if you look up hidden gems lists, it's on in most videos and very sought after game now with collectors. Oh, yeah. uh, if you look, if you're, if you're a part of any GameCube or video game collecting group on social media like Facebook, uh, you'll see Ikaruga pop up from time to time, and everybody loses their mind when they see a GameCube version, <laughs> especially in good condition. It's it's pretty difficult to find. I've seen one. It pops up at our video game store that we go to in Toronto every so often, yep. but it's usually ninety to a hundred dollars. Missing the manual water stains it's not worth it uh it's it's such a shame because i'd really love to add this game to my collection someday but again you can find it now on nintendo switch for much less money about 20 bucks i think on the eShop, which is far more affordable and i don't really have a ton of experience playing uh these shoot 'em up bullet hell style games but i i do love playing them every so often just because they are so addictive yes. and like you said mike they fit in in the arcades because they're just quarter munchers meaning <laughs> that they they you know you die so quickly that you have to put in another quarter to, to just get to the end of the stage and get to the next level it's a very very interesting uh, game loop of trying to stay alive and i love the extra me- mechanism that they added to ikaruga where in most bullet hell games you're just avoiding bullets and shooting down enemy ships but this game added that color element of switching between black and white to make yourself more effective against colored enemies, which are also black or white. So if you're white and you're shot with a white bullet, you actually absorb those that energy and you get points. Whereas if you're black and you take a white bullet, you're you're going to take damage. And then same thing goes where if you're attacking an enemy, where if you're attacking a white enemy with your white bullets, it's going to take a long time to destroy them. And then if you're black and black, it's the same idea. Yeah. So it, it added this extra layer of... Of complexity to the game, which certain fans of shoot 'em ups didn't quite understand. So it kind of divided the community a little bit when this game came out. Yeah, because it, it's it's actually more. Well, I mean, it is obviously a shoot 'em up, but it is closely linked to puzzle games in that mm-hmm. sense, which mm-hmm. Treasure was very uh, adept at. So that's kind of why why they wanted to bring that into this shoot 'em up and give it something else, you know, a different layer. Because uh, yeah, like. Radiant Silver Gun, very cool game, but at the end of the day, it is just a shoot 'em up, and that's it, right? There's not mm-hmm. a lot going on other than the beautiful artwork. So it's right. really nice to see them take this in a different direction, and I think that's why Ikaruga is still talked about today because it mm-hmm. is different. There is something for everyone in that sense. One thing I did want to yeah. talk about a little bit uh, was the fact that this game is impossible to watch someone else playing it is the most anxiety inducing thing ever (laughs) watching someone else play this game i was watching some 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 um streamers actually play it the other day and i was like oh my god this is i can't (laughs) it's almost like watching someone else play ddr like it's just yeah that's hard to watch because you know what it's 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 similar to watching someone playing tetris because you know what you would do in that moment and you're mm-hmm. like, no, but just, uh, you're so close. <laughs> but then like, but then they just, they, they do something wild. Like they'll be on one side of the screen and then flip to the other side just because they can glitch the game and move <laughs> super fast and move the piece in a certain way. But yeah, it is. It, I can see how you can compare that to Tetris. It's very similar. Just switching colors up and trying to fit 
the pattern of the screen yeah. because the bullet the bullets do follow a specific patterns. pattern yeah yeah it's yeah. it's all about relearning it like or learning it over and over again and playing it over and over again feels almost like a, the, the dark souls of uh <laughs> of games Ugh. in that sense uh, yeah you, mm-hmm. uh, everyone loves uh hearing that terminology but <laughs> especially me. what i love about what i love about this game is that it was criticized for its difficulty in north america but not criticized but that was one of just the the negatives towards the game was it was too difficult. Yeah. But it also had a hard mode in the game where <laughs> yeah. you, you could make it even harder, uh, where um, there's the example of killing an enemy using opposite polarity bullets, uh, triggers suicide bullets, which would instantly kill you, but in half the quantity, or sorry, it would kill them, my mistake, but in half the quantity, so you'd half as many of these suicide bullets. Bosses were also gave off much more difficult uh, bullet patterns. Sure, yeah. And there were just more bullets in general coming at you, which made the game <laughs> even harder to play. There is something about being able to navigate around everything, kill the boss, and just escape. You know, it's it's there's nothing else like it. When if mm-hmm. you've ever played vertical shoot up shoot 'em ups, um, it's it's just it's a magical feeling. Be able to just you know just miss those bullets and and, yeah. and survive. And you're like, yes, I did it, I did mm-hmm. it. I feel like this would be one of those games that when I do eventually play it, it'll be like every level that I finish, I'll have a fraction of a health, like a sliver of yes, health left. Yes. Like narrowly beat the boss and feel like, oh yeah, I beat I beat Ikaruga. Oh yeah. I, I think the the thing too that some people might look at, they'll see like, oh Ikaruga, like you can beat this in thirty minutes. It's like, well yeah, mm-hmm. sure, you can beat the game in thirty minutes. Like if you one are good and two are using infinite continues. <laughs> but um, sure. the, the 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 reason why you play this game is the arcade aspect of it, which is mm-hmm. uh. Which is getting combos, right? That's what it's all right. about is is trying to get that high score. And on mm-hmm. the Switch, it's even more fun now because you can uh, do some high scores on the leaderboards or try and get on the leaderboards. Yep. Although you do have to beat the entire game, I believe, with um, I don't know, there's some criteria. With no continues, probably. Yeah, probably with no continues, uh, kind of like yeah. a smash thing uh, mm-hmm. there. But yeah, um, one more thing for the Switch uh, version as well. And this part I love, and I think this is why... This is the ultimate um, way to play Ikaruga is that you can turn the switch vertically and play it that way. Yeah, that's really neat because it's just like on the TV, on your CRT TV. Those aren't widescreen. So the screens were vertical and you'd have kind of the this, the left and right side were black or they had a design on yep. them. So, yeah, it, you'd have to take the Joy-Cons out and you can play it vertically up. So and I can imagine it looks really good on yeah. the switch screen. Uh, although uh, apparently you could actually do this for the GameCube. Uh, there was a moment because yes. you go in and you change the modes or whatever to vertical horizontal or portrait landscape, I guess. And mm-hmm. you could, you could change it to portrait. Um, <laughs> you just, you, you had to to rotate the, your actual CRT TV. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> so I really hope if, if someone can find images of someone doing this, please oh. send them in to us. I would love to see that. <laughs> please. I, I can't imagine tilting my CRT TV now. I mean, back in the so day they scared. were. Oh my God. Like they feel so delicate now. Yeah. Like even a flat screen TV feels delicate, but a CRT TV just feels like it's empty and bubbly like it. Oh no. I can't believe that that was the thing. But yeah, no, you're right that you could do that. No, I, I, I don't know how many people did. That's hilarious. But arcade cabinets were vertical. Like the, the yeah. screens were more of a vertical orientation. Yeah. So they were doing their best to bring an arcade version home. And purists of this game would say that the Dreamcast version is actually the superior way to play it. So I would say they're wrong because you can just get it on the Switch. <laughs> yeah, now, I guess, yeah. yeah but yeah. arcade purists, they're a different breed altogether. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I guess, last thoughts about this game. Mm. It has maybe some of the best visuals I've ever seen. 
uh, in a GameCube mm-hmm. game. I know we talked about that last week with Wind Waker, but uh, <laughs> these it just looks beautiful. And it's I know you get lost in it because obviously you're trying to avoid bullets all the time. But if you kind of step back for a second and like take a look at the scenery that you're going over, it's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And obviously that box art is iconic mm-hmm. too. Oh. Uh, I remember yeah. first seeing that box art and... I didn't, I didn't know what the game was. I, I didn't really know what the game was until a couple of weeks ago, really. I knew it was a shoot 'em up but I didn't know too much other other stuff about it. But seeing yeah. that that box art, always, uh, it always stuck in my mind, you know, because it's so different from anything else that had come out of that time. Completely. Like, it, it doesn't even... The box art doesn't really tell you what the game is. It's just this Japanese... It's a Japanese text that says Ikaruga mm-hmm. under it. And then sort of like a black and white watercolor, gray watercolor painting of your ship in the game and lasers coming at you and that's it you can't really tell what this game's about just by looking at it it doesn't look like a game at all actually until you turn the case over and then it looks like this i know what you're saying the art style is beautiful and unfortunately if you're playing the game you probably don't have a chance to stop and think about (laughs) the art style but looking at screenshots just seeing the white and the black lasers and the bosses are these giant machines it is a very neat sci-fi style of of uh, art which kind of reminds me of metroid prime in a way yeah no 100 mm-hmm. percent. it does give a lot of that metroid feel that that early or the early 2000s sci-fi feel mm-hmm. yeah well mike i think it's time i read the back of the case for ikaruga what do you say yeah let's do it all right but first victor hit us with that jingle it's time to read what's on the back of the case there's things written on the back of the case let's read them and now we're reading the back of the case Amid the turmoil and tumult of battle, there may be a seeming disorder, and yet no real disorder at all. <laughs> he is Shinra, the lone survivor of a ravaged people. He must battle fiercely, move swiftly, and act rationally in a new war. One of the frighteningly intense firepower and hypnotic beauty. Hypnotic beauty. We didn't even really talk about treasure, actually, as well. We talked about no. treasure earlier, obviously, for Wario World, which they mm-hmm. they created, and uh, treasure coming through again here big, uh, doing Ikaruga, and mm-hmm. yeah, great developer um is this the last time we see them on the gamecube i think so they are a very underrated developer from this generation i think they were trying they they almost did kind of become like the rareware of the gamecube where they were putting out these random hits that weren't quite as big as the rareware games on n64 but they at least put out games like wario and now ikaruga which are, are very good games they were definitely one of the better third-party supporters for the cube oh a hundred percent and i loved i loved reading about this game that said all five treasure developers were working on this game <laughs> it's cute to think five people developed this game plus three support staff workers on the game it's as well it's a very small team yeah it's almost unimaginable these days i do have before we move on to the next game i do have a quote from the thousand one uh video games you must play before you die uh, because they do have ikaruga in the book great okay hit us with your uh your knowledge from that book oh some asmr here yeah, turn those pages. There's a lot of there's a lot of pages. <laughs> there are a lot, a thousand one. <laughs> yeah, at least a tiny, perfectly designed slice of twitchy perfection that will live on whenever you close your eyes, long after your most recent run through has finished. Ikaruga isn't about surviving, but thriving, and the leaderboard of high scores is where the game's real battle will continue to grind out for years to come. Very nice. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. Yeah, it's it's definitely a piece of history in the arcades and in shoot 'em ups. It's one of the better games in that genre. So I definitely am looking forward to picking it up on Switch. I think I'll wait for it to be on sale though. Yeah, I agreed. Definitely. All right, time to move on to our second game of the day, which is Odama, not Obama. 
the North American or the American president. Odama was released on April 10th, 2006. Uh, this game should have been a Wii game. I can't believe it wasn't. <laughs> it was developed by Vivarium, published by Nintendo. It's only on GameCube. Today, if you wanted to pick it up, it's around $50, and it rates about a 6.5 out of 10. And Mike, this is the second last GameCube game published by Nintendo, uh, followed only by Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Of course. So it's one of the last GameCube exclusives that we got to see. Yes, it is. Yeah. And this is a game that I have always associated with Ikaruga because of their similar <laughs> names, obviously. Uh, just the, the way, I guess, the phonetically kind of similar. But just also mm-hmm. how it was always this mysterious box art. I uh, yeah. didn't really know what the game was. I heard a lot of people talking about it before. Mm-hmm. Almost a, almost as a joke, though, when you heard people talking about it. Yeah. Like, no one talked about it seriously. And I know it also had... It had a couple of box arts. Um, there was the one where it had, like, the like the colorful one. And I think there's also a box art where it just says Odama and it's black. Uh, oh. It could, I could be wrong about that, but um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a strange one because Neil, mm-hmm. it includes a bonus microphone. That's right. <laughs> uh, we haven't like... talked about the game. We haven't talked about the GameCube microphone since the Mario party, uh, Mario party episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we'll talk about it again after this episode. <laughs> This one, though, needed it not so much for mini games. This one, you need to use the microphone to play <laughs> this the game. This was the game, yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this was kind of like the last... I guess they really wanted to get some use out of that microphone before they closed off the GameCube. I Again, I think that this game would have been so much better on DS or Wii, yep. which I, I don't know if the Wii actually had voice command for any of their games, but the DS did, which would have been maybe a little bit better. The point of the game is basically you're controlling... Japanese a Japanese army and it's an RTS game so we really actually could have put this game into the RTS episode mm-hmm. as well yeah but the the catch of the game is that it's also a pinball game so your characters are on screen they're fighting against the other army on the other side of the the field and you have this giant pinball known as the Odama mm-hmm. which you you flick and control just like you would a regular pinball table while you're commanding your troops to go left right stay put attack with your microphone so it was an interesting concept that was not very well executed. Yeah, like there's a lot to lot to digest there. Obviously, sure. First thing mm-hmm. is like pinball game with a microphone. Um, right. First of all, uh, Odama means great ball in Japanese, mm. so that uh, kind of tells you all okay. you need to know right there. Um, <laughs> so this was made by uh, Yute Saito, and now Saito is the creator of the infamous Seaman. For the Dreamcast, mm-hmm. which uses right. a similar thing with the voice uh, voice control. Yep. Um, oh, the cat's... Hold, hold on. The cat's back on the, on the table here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, Gramps. I just don't want him knocking over the... Uh, you can sit here. Just just sit down. Quit being a cat. <laughs> I just don't want you rubbing against the microphone. He's like, but I want some ASMR. I want some cat <laughs> ASMR. That's what the people he want. He wants to talk about Odama. Right? <laughs> so when Saito brought it in for them to uh, for Nintendo to see this Miyamoto who was actually looking at this he was very taken back by the game's curious mix of pinball and RTS style gaming obviously mm-hmm. um yep. because Saito's pitch really was just i want to make a game a pinball game set in feudal japan <laughs> like <Right. laughs> like that alone yeah. is like uh what it's an interesting idea for a video yeah. game yeah. just for sure it would have been an interesting proposal meeting that's for sure because <laughs> yeah. Nintendo already had Pikmin on the GameCube which was Somewhat successful. I mean, it was an more RTS game. More successful than this. Yes, that's fair. More successful than this. But again, you had Saito come in to Nintendo's headquarters, I guess, to propose this game. <laughs> and he had developed Seaman, like you said. And that was a fairly successful Dreamcast game. 
not on a successful console, but sure. it, it, it was the third best-selling Dreamcast game um, in, I guess, in the region at the time, which oh. I think was in Japan, in Japan. So it was one of the better Japanese Dreamcast games. So I didn't know that. Yeah, he had some clout to him at this point. So I can see why they maybe wanted to try it. It didn't seem like it had much of a development uh, budget. It's a very short game. I think there's only 10 levels in the entire game, and they're pretty quick. Yeah, all the playthroughs I saw were were quite short. Yeah, and it's it, it it's won some funny awards over the years too. Like in 2008, Game Informer gave it the uh, award for the one of the top 10 weirdest games of all time. <laughs> because it is so weird. Because why a microphone, right? Like I I, mm-hmm. I like it, but I also don't. <laughs> it's, it, it was beca- it was yeah no the microphone was because you're using your controller to control the the paddles on the pinball machine and I guess that they thought that it would be too complicated for the player to also be navigating your your troops on the field sure which is weird because you're using L and R to hit the triggers you have two control sticks A B X and Y left I don't know why you couldn't have used those to con- to command your troops I didn't need the microphone to be tied into my face that would have been just fine but. <laughs> Trying to control the, everything with the microphone, I don't think that the microphone was overly responsive, which was true with the Mario Party games as well. So, all in all, it just became a little bit of a mess and was difficult to play, just because I don't think that uh, the microphone picked up what you were trying to say properly. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's the first thing I thought of too when I read that. I was like, but but will the microphone work properly? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. Um, I don't know if you've actually watched gameplay of this too, but it, it is it is a bit of a mess. Um, because oh, there yeah. are so many people on the battlefield, there's so much stuff going on. Uh, yeah. it, it, the frame rate is not great for a lot of, a lot of it. Um, nope. you know, they're, they're doing their best in terms of the graphical <laughs> capabilities of the GameCube, but sure, it's, it's a lot. And it clearly was made for, you know, newer systems really at this point. And again, that's yeah. why I'm really surprised that it didn't just wait till the Wii. I, I couldn't believe how much was going on on screen. Like yeah. your team, you probably, there's probably 200 characters <laughs> running around like ants on the field. Well, there's this, just this giant ball knocking out buildings and destroying enemies. And that's how you finish the game is you have to knock out the other team yeah. and destroy certain monuments, which is just crazy. One of my, one of the funniest things that I found about this was that we haven't talked about the DK bongos yet. Oh yes. The do- this the, is my the favorite thing too. The Donkey Kong Jungle Beat bongos, which we'll talk about in a later episode, but the peripheral for the GameCube where you had these bongos that you'd hook up to the console and, you know, you'd hit them like drums. Uh, they had this attachment for the game, which you could use, which would have been the only other use for those bongos, where <laughs> you could have an, a player two basically hitting the bongos to increase troop morale. Dude, I would have I would have bought this if I could have done that. That's so for sick. That, for that only. So there's one person yelling into a microphone telling troops which way to go while they're knocking around a pinball while someone else is banging bongo drums to keep everybody happy. <laughs> Sounds like just a mess and in the best way possible. The DK Mongo is not used nearly enough. Not used nearly enough. Um, but this game also has a pretty hilarious plot that is just ridiculous as it should. There's like this philosophy that exists in the game uh, called, uh, in quotes, Ninten hyphen do okay <laughs> uh which means the way of heavenly duty uh hmm. so that's that's their um that's they have to follow the way of nintendo to defeat hmm. these armies or whatever <laughs> okay yeah well nintendo i think does translate to leave luck to heaven i think that's what oh, it translates okay, to well, there you go yeah it's close that's that's, that's kind of cute yeah again it's it's a very interesting concept that i think needed to be ironed out a little bit yes. more and really should have been for for other consoles, specifically the Wii or yep. the DS. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I think the DS probably would have been better. I, I think pinball games are a ton of fun. Yeah, but... I, I love pinball games. I love the old Microsoft. Remember the old Microsoft pinball, like on XP? It's probably the best pinball table ever made. I 100% agree. <laughs> I, I, I just like the concept of this game being that the idea was that you have everybody trying to fight a war. Meanwhile, there's this giant ball yeah, distracting them from doing things, which I think is hilarious. Oh, God. And now I, yeah, it's just like <laughs> we're trying to fight a war. Meanwhile, there's this giant ball rolling over all your friends. It's just a funny concept. And it's just funny to think about video games where the sole purpose of the game is to distract other people from doing their doing their jobs right. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Untitled Goose Game. Yes, yes. A bit like that, but it's just zany. Like it's just a funny idea that, that came out a bit too late in the GameCube's lifespan life cycle, uh, and we never saw a sequel for for obvious reasons. I couldn't find sales numbers of this game, but I can't imagine it was more than ten copies. Yeah, definitely a unique, different, interesting game that. Uh, yeah. I'm glad it exists, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not rushing out to not, look for it or anything. And that 6.5 or whatever rating seems bang on. It seems very fair. Yeah. yeah. I would have just preferred a pinball game. Yeah. Just a straight up pinball game would have been great. Nintendo, like, give me a pinball game. Give me Mario Pinball. Or like Metroid Pinball. Like that was a Ooh, great DS game. And yeah. then there was Pokemon Pinball too, which are both yes. really fun pinball games. That's true. So one of those on GameCube would have been phenomenal. Please. Please, Nintendo, do it. All right, I think it's time to read the back of the case of Odama. Mike, what do you think? Let's do it. All right. Use the Nintendo GameCube microphone and microphone holder to shout your commands to your soldiers. A unique combination of pinball and military war game puts your reflexes and your strategy to the test. The troops await your orders. The mightiest weapon of the medieval battlefield at your disposal, towering over your soldiers, the mighty Odama, rolls a path of destruction over all it touches, friend or foe. Direct your soldiers with voice commands and guide them out of harm's way and on to victory. Don't forget that microphone holder, Neil. Can't forget about that <laughs> microphone holder. Imagine being a parent and accidentally buying your kid this game, and then like they're just yelling at the TV now for a few weeks. I just remember doing that, like playing Mario Party with my dad or my parents, and with uh, with the microphone, and it was so frustrating. Yeah, it's not fun. Voice command in video games it doesn't work. No, no, like, we're not there yet. We're not. We weren't even there like five years ago. We're still not there. Yeah. I'm glad that most. It seems like most developers have stopped trying. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Mike, if you had to pick between one of these two games, I think there's an obvious choice, but which one would you recommend the listeners pick up? Pokemon Pinball, Neil, seems like the... Mm. the, the obvious the, choice. The obvious choice here. But since it wasn't on the GameCube somehow, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Ikaruga uh, would, would sure. be uh, just an amazing game to pick up, and I would recommend getting it for the Switch uh, because one, price, and mm -hmm. two, the fact that you can play this game vertically is honestly a game changer. Yeah, that, that, that's a lot of fun. I can't wait to pick this game up on Switch and play it with you. I think that there is a multiplayer aspect to the game on Switch, which will be fun to pick up and, and try. Yeah. And I'm sure it looks beautiful in, I guess, somewhat up-resed in HD, which will be nice mm -hmm. um, on a CRT. I'm sure it looks beautiful as well, but it'll be nice to see it in full HD graphics. It was nice to see Vivarium try something different on the GameCube. Again, the Wii was just coming out, and those peripheral games were... It might have actually been a little bit before its time. Like, I think if this game came out... Odama? Yeah, Odama. Yeah. Like, I think if it came out a little bit later, like, with the peripheral craze of Rock Band and Guitar Hero. Yeah, and... that's what I'm saying. I, that's why I think it would be it'd be good on the Wii. Yeah, it just came out a little too early, and it didn't yeah. quite catch that wave of peripherals and everybody getting their kids something to play their game differently with. Yeah. But Ikaruga, definitely the better game to pick up, for sure. And do you see any future with either of these games, Neil? Do you, do you think we're going to 
we're gonna see. I mean, obviously, Ikaruga was able to get a port and remaster on the Switch, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Odama, do you think that's gonna go anywhere? <laughs> no, I think we've seen the last of Odama, and I think I think we have a chance of seeing Ikaruga continue to be remade and just ported to future consoles. Like it's on PC, so it's already yeah. it's already gonna be there forever. Uh, I don't know if it'll come back again to the Switch Two. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know if we'll ever get a sequel. It just feels like shoot 'em ups are too much of a niche thing to make now and sure they're more of an indie thing so i think we'll see something like ikaruga on the indie space but not an ikaruga too yeah i would agree with that mm-hmm. and then for odama i think it's interesting because again there are a whole bunch of these nintendo published um games that exist out there that nintendo has never gone back to we've said this many times already in this podcast but the gamecube feels like it has so many of these one-off uh, Nintendo published games mm-hmm. uh, that of uh, these franchises that Nintendo has never touched again. Cubivore obviously mm-hmm. being a good example and just the, uh, also the different style games like um, Dosh and the giant or something. Dosh and the giant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking just in their franchises themselves, like having mm. uh, Luigi's mansion. I know there's more Luigi's mansions now, but it was like a 15 year wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the you know having Metroid Prime, which is eventually going to come out, maybe. <laughs> We're still waiting. The diff- the space between Pikmin and Pikmin, sorry, Pikmin two and Pikmin three was very long. It did take a long time to make sequels to GameCube games. Like there almost were. There was Metroid Prime three on Wii, but there were hardly any sequels to GameCube games on Wii. The more I think about it, it just seems like the Wii is just such a uh, a turn, like just a left turn that they took from these franchises that they were starting to just, you know, pick up steam and add some fire underneath. And then they let them sit and simmer for too long. Um, it, it's just strange that they started all of these interesting concepts and then didn't really carry through with them or they just let them kind of wither and die on the game. Yeah. Yeah. So many of those concepts, uh, that's a good word for it. Concepts that, that, that never mm-hmm. really got carried through past the Wii. And it's nice to, obviously it's nice to see some of this coming back with the switch, um, you know, we see yeah. Breath of the Wild is is clearly an uh, um, you know a spiritual successor to Wind Waker, uh, more mm-hmm. than any other Zelda game. Uh, yep. You know, we have Luigi's Mansion Three coming out. Uh, we have Odyssey that mm-hmm. feels a lot like Sunshine in a lot of respects. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and even even Animal Crossing kind of going back to their roots too. Yes, Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Animal Crossing definitely being the spiritual successor to the GameCube mm-hmm. version. So. It's nice to see that that there seems to be a push back to some of these this kind mm-hmm. of gaming, um, you know, twenty yep. years later, uh, and uh, hopefully it would be cool to see Nintendo bring up some of these other lost franchises that they've kind of forgotten about, like Warrior World, for example, as we talked about a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah, there's there's quite the treasure chest of uh, forgotten games in, ah, in treasure in, chest, ah ha ha, treasure <laughs> chest in Nintendo's history that. Uh, We'd like to see come back. But until then, Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 45 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. On episode 45, we will be talking about baseball games because baseball is back. Uh, it well, it came back last week, but or a couple weeks ago. But uh, yeah. now, now, now is a good time for us to do it. I, sure. uh, it came back um, the beginning of April, and for some reason, I don't think we had an episode of that that week, Neil. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, don't I no, can't recall I, doing anything for around t- April first. We, we took a week off that week. Uh, ah, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, we took our first week off. It's hard to imagine after fifty weeks, <laughs> we finally didn't make an episode. 
No, ah, no nothing happened between Wind Waker and this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and so uh, we will be talking about baseball games. We will have a friend of the show, Jason, on uh, to talk about uh, his memories of playing MVP baseball specifically. Sweet. That's the only game that I have memories of, are the MVP baseball series. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a bunch of others, and there's actually a ton of uh, baseball games for the Japanese market only. And I would like to talk a little bit about that next week as well. But um, yeah. yeah, no, that's going to be a lot of fun. You and I both love baseball. That's actually how we met, which is going to be an interesting story to kind of talk a little bit about. That's one of the mm-hmm. first things that we bonded over was was playing baseball as kids. And I, I love baseball games and video games in general is interesting because the licensing is all very strange in that yes. now like Sony has had the license for the MLB for the longest time with the show. There were no MLB games on Nintendo or Microsoft platforms for that reason. I think the show just recently got sold. So now it'll be back onto other consoles. It is, yeah, this year. This, this year, year first year. Starting this year. So that's going to be an interesting thing to talk about. Um, baseball games in general are very fun to talk about uh, because they're not as big as like football and soccer, but they're still made every year. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we love that sport. So it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Yep. But ladies and gentlemen, until then, this was episode 44 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. New episodes every Thursday on all the podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. Help Mike and Neil buy a roller coaster. Follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod and share us with your friends and family. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube.